Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause, rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Kroll Bennett. Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. Hi, Cara. Hi, Vanessa. I want to start with a joke. I hope I'm not violating any intellectual property rights right now. It was told by my brother when he was probably three or four years old. This will, you'll be able to figure out which brother in a second, because I have two. Cara, have you ever seen mothballs? No. No, no, you have to say yes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Is that the joke? Knock, knock, Cara. Okay, Wait, go again. T- let me go again. Cara, have you ever seen mothballs? Yes, of course. How'd you get the little guy's legs open? Uh, <laughs> I'm shocked that that was a joke of a three or four-year-old. Uh, when you're the fourth child in the Kroll household... That is not surprising that that was a joke told by a three or four-year-old. That was in between him teaching the neighborhood profanity. So I tell that joke to illustrate that in some houses, people talk a lot about balls and penises and vaginas. And in other houses, people don't talk about that stuff. And even more than that, people don't talk about masturbation, which is what you do when you touch those parts of your body and they feel good. Or hopefully they feel good. Otherwise, I guess you stop touching them. So 
Today, we're going to talk about masturbation. Cara's like, I don't know what's going on here. (laughs) I want you to tell Nick that joke next time you see him. We're going to talk about masturbation and we're going to talk about it from the perspective of, because we got a great listener question. She has, this person has 10-year-old twin girls. They're fraternal. And she's like, do I bring up masturbation? Don't I bring up masturbation? Do I do it before they're in middle school? Do I let them kind of find out about it? So we're here to have the conversation and give some guidance about when to talk about it, when is too soon, is there ever a too soon, and how to have the conversations and toe the sort of tricky line of having these kinds of talks. And her question is a version of a question that we get all the time. All the time. All the time. So people really struggle often with when to have conversations around sex in general, but masturbation for some reason is a total third rail topic that feels very insurmountable to lots and lots of folks, including some health education teachers. Yes. So often it does not get discussed in sex ed classes or health ed classes. So there's masturbation super tough topic to talk about. Porn, super tough topic to talk about. Masturbation to porn is like basically whatever the hard version of the Holy Grail is, like the conversation that's like the hardest to have. It's greater than the sum of its parts. That's the definition of that. That's the definition of that. It's a lot. Pun intended. So we haven't done a now what about porn, but we've done our regular episode about porn. So go back and listen to that if you want to have that conversation. So Car, I guess the first question is, is it ever too soon to talk about masturbation with kids? I know you know my answer. And it's no, it's never too soon. It's a completely normal part of healthy sexual life. It's a part of self-exploration. It's understanding your body. It's knowing what feels good. So masturbation, it actually starts really young. Did you know that, Vanessa? I mean, I I did know so many children that I think you probably (laughs) did know that. I did know that. I didn't have kids in my house, but I had a lot of friends whose toddlers masturbated before they went to sleep. It was like a self-soothing. When I was in my residency training, I remember one case that a neurologist brought us in to consult on like all the, you know, Sometimes there's this pack of little young doctors who yes. come in and they're very interested in eager beavers and they want to learn what's going on. And we were in an outpatient neurology clinic and a parent had brought a child in, toddler, and had brought a video. By the way, this was a long time ago, so it wasn't like they flashed their phone and showed a video. It was like the video camera came out and they did on the, the replay. Camcorder. <laughs> on the camcorder. And they showed this child doing what the parent thought was seizure-like activity. It is not unreasonable for the parent to be worried about this because they didn't recognize what it was. And we stepped out of the room. The neurologist was so incredible because she was very respectful of not shaming the parents in any way for being worried about this, but turned to this group, this gaggle of training pediatricians and said, who can make the diagnosis based Mm. on that video? And no one in the group said anything. I don't know if it's, I didn't recognize what it was actually. I don't know if everyone didn't recognize or that people were embarrassed to say so, but then she sort of saved us from our embarrassment and said, 
that child is just masturbating. And that's an orgasm that you're seeing in a very, very young child. And she said, and I'm not trying to sexualize a child. I'm just telling you that this is completely normal and how we now need to go talk to the parents about it is also really important. We need to be super sensitive to the fact that this is normal and they've gotten very worried. They've come in to a neurology clinic about something that is a normal part of sexual development. It scares people when they hear that toddlers do this because they are putting the words sexual and toddler together. And that is not the intent of this conversation, only to describe the fact that there are lots of nerve endings concentrated in certain body parts, right? The tips of the fingers have tons of nerve endings. So too did the clitoris and the penis. And so these things, by definition, they feel, and it's not like those nerve endings only start to fire when someone is an adult or even in puberty. Those nerve endings will fire very, very, very young. The distinction, however, is that a toddler with a clitoris can orgasm in the toddler years. But a toddler with a penis will not correct ejaculate. Yeah. It can feel That's, good. They can touch their penis and it can feel nice, but there's not that equivalency. And let me be clear that there followed a very long conversation after the family left about was it really an orgasm or did it just feel good? Right. Um, which I think is a really fair debate. Also, I will add that what it looked like, because you may be wondering what it looked like, was a child just sitting on their knees in that sort of W style yeah. seated position, rubbing against the floor. So there actually were not hands involved. It was just genital stimulation on the floor and the child had underpants on. And so there was a barrier there. So it was like, it was, and it looked, you know, a little bit seizure. I mean, it really Mm -hmm. did look, because you're not expecting it in a toddler. So not only is it never too early to talk about it, it's also never too early for kids to explore their bodies. And that's just an important fact of life. Yeah. I mean, we had kids in our sports classes who, when they were anxious or they were sitting in a group and sort of spacing out, they would masturbate or do some version of masturbation. And that leads us to our next conversation, which is when kids get older and you start to have the conversations around like preschool, kindergarten about what happens in private places versus what happens in public places, including touching your private parts, right? Your genitalia or your nipples or whatever kids decide to put their hands on. That is a very complicated conversation. And we've covered it before and on other topics, but the conversation about what is public and what is private on activities and body parts that are not shameful. And yet in our society, we don't touch them or rub them in public. Right. I mean, it feels very hypocritical. It does feel hypocritical. It's totally natural. And, you know, we're all in favor of talking about masturbation and you should masturbate. But by the way, go do it behind a closed door and don't do it in front of me. Like that. Right. To us, it makes very good logical sense to a kid who's receiving that information. It can sound like you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. Right. That's right. So I think when you're going to have that conversation with a kid and that conversation, I think, It's not like over the dinner table where like you've decided it's time to have the masturbation talk and you're like, so kiddo, like you're not going to masturbate in gym class, but you are totally welcome to masturbate in your bathroom. 
I mean, by the way, I like, don't know don't, why you don't think that's don't, dinner table don't, conversation. Don't put <laughs> it past me and Cara. Who was I talking to about our episode with our kids? And they were just like laughing. They couldn't even get their point out because they were laughing so hard about what our kids were saying to us about the moments we chose to talk to them about stuff. And it was like hilarious. Anyways, so that's a conversation that you have in response to noticing your child touching themselves in settings that are really public settings and not private settings. And my guess is there's maybe other ways where they're navigating the public-private spheres and learning to differentiate what happens where. Like, do they lift up their shirt? Do they go to the bathroom with all the doors open? Do they, you know, say things? It may be part and parcel of a larger conversation. In that case, it's a really nice way in instead of going straight to masturbation and where you can and can't do it. Yeah, I mean, it's not that this is the only example that we have in our society that is deemed appropriate to be done in private, right? Right. There are lots of other things that we put into that category and it's a really great way to frame it for a kid. Like, hey, this is all of these things on this list are totally normal, but not necessarily in front of other people. Picking your nose. (laughs) Picking your nose. (laughs) Yeah, so framing it in the context of like, hey, there's a bunch of stuff that we do in private that we don't do. And when we talk about in private, sometimes that means in the context of a family. So you may have a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Go there, Vanessa. Go there. likes to touch their bodies, touch their genitals while they're hanging out on the couch amongst all of their other family members who might be older, who might be younger, who might be grandparents. Or they don't even think about it, right? They, they just don't hands even the think about it. It's so soothing and it feels so nice and they're so relaxed. So it's not only just public in the public sphere, like out in the world, but it's also public, private in the context of family because every kid in a household has their own comfort level with someone else's expression of, sexuality and touching, right? Like just like some kids really like to be hugged and some kids are like, no, 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 don't touch me. Some kids are really comfortable touching their bodies in front of other people and other people are much more private. So in that context, I think we can say to them, hey, I love that you like touching your body and it feels good and it's relaxing, but we want to be respectful of everyone's comfort level in our family. And so those kinds of things we're going to do when we're alone in our room or in the bathroom. Or I guess some families might say like, hey, if you're hanging out on the couch by yourself, feel free. But like not when everyone is watching Abbott Elementary together. If you listen to enough of our episodes, you'll hear us preach the importance of air, particularly down there. Airing out body parts reduces sweatiness, stinkiness, and skin irritation. And it feels amazing to air it all out after a long day in tight, sweaty clothes. Which is why we created the Oom Short. Super soft, lightweight, with wide legs and a low crotch. All help air flow. Designed for all genders in all sizes, literally down to kids extra small and up to men's extra large. Everyone who wears them tells us they've never been so comfy. Get your shorts at myoomla.com.
Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky and I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. And it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, Magnesium Breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, Magnesium Breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at buyoptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. Vanessa, we literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is Factors ready-to-eat meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our Factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never-frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, my kids love Magic Spoon cereal. And even though it's cereal, they actually love it as a homework snack. The variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And fruity is the favorite flavor in my house. Now, this pack has zero grams of sugar, between 13 and 14 grams of protein, and between four and five grams of net carbs per serving. It's made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and it's high in protein, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So a great choice, Vanessa. You can go to magicspoon.com slash puberty to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our, you guessed it, promo code puberty at checkout to save $5 off your order. 
And Magic Spoon is so confident you're going to love their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. They do not want you to send their cereal back to them. Try a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash puberty and use the code puberty to save $5. So there's one other topic in the world of privacy around masturbation that we need to talk about. And that is the privacy of conversations about masturbation. Mm. Because it takes a lot for many adults to get over the anxiety of broaching this topic. For whatever reason, it does not take a lot for kids to get over the anxiety of broaching this conversation with other kids. And sometimes kids feel the responsibility of educating all of their friends about everything they've learned about bodies or how to share your body or privacy or consent or, you know, whatever. These are not negative things, but they, as we've talked about many times before on this podcast, they're things that are very particular to different families. Different families have different values around these topics. They have different sets of information that they're using. There's science, there's fact. We hope everyone is using science and fact as their basis. But from there, there are a lot of layers that involve cultural and social and personal experiences. And they will impact the way that different families talk about these different subjects and different rules that different families have. As you just explained, Vanessa, like in one family, it might be fine if no one's around for a kid to be sitting in the den and, you know, doing whatever. And in another family, that just still doesn't feel okay to them. And there's no judgment to be had here. So how do we, without being hypocritical, how do we help kids have open conversations with us about topics like this that are hard to have conversations about, but not have open conversations with their friends about the way that masturbation should be handled in other homes. Yeah, and let's be clear, we're not encouraging people to teach their children how to masturbate, right? This is not a how-to manual. This is a, it is normal. It can sound something like this with, you know, younger kid. This isn't going to fly with like your middle school, high school kid, but like with a grade school kid, something like, hey, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but there are parts of your body that just feel really good when you touch them. And then you pause and wait and see if they say, you know what? I did notice that. Or I noticed when I'm, my little kids, they'd be in the bath and be like, oh, that tickles or, oh, that feels good, right? They just would have that experience or they turn to you and they say, this feels good when I do it this way. And I'm like, great, that's totally normal. Or they may run away when you bring up the conversation. Well, it depends how young you start. And that's part of the reason we encourage people to start younger. Again, just normalizing there are parts of your body that feel good when you touch them. Because the amazing thing about grade school kids, usually before they hit fifth grade, fifth grade, the skepticism really starts to creep in is that they're so open-minded and they're so willing to have like interested, interesting conversations about subjects that become very taboo as kids get older and for many adults. Whereas if you talk to an eight and nine-year-old about something, they're just like, oh, that's so cool. I, you know, I'm so glad we're talking about this. I was always curious about it. 
You know what though? Even for the skeptics, even for the middle schoolers or that like classic 15-year-old, oh, everything you say is wrong. Everything I know is right. They still are very interested. Yes. They're really curious and they may not give you that feedback in the conversation, but they're very interested in the conversation. And for those kids, you know, for instance, you might have a kid in your house who's spending a lot more time in the bathroom than they used to, or they might be taking much longer showers than they used to. Shower hour. Shower. We used to call it. Shower. Long Which in California hour is in the a drought no-go. is not right. good. It's a, it's a non-starter. So right. that's an awkward so, conversation. And, well, and that's a perfect example, Car, right? Because it's like, okay, you have a kid who you have an inkling is probably starting to masturbate in the shower. And you have to address it because in California, and frankly, New York State was in a drought this summer, you can't spend an hour in the shower. So you can say, hey, you know what? I notice you're spending a lot of time in your bathroom. You're spending a lot of time in the shower. I don't know if I'm getting this right or not, but I just want to let you know if you're masturbating, you need to not spend an hour in the shower. So like, you got to find another way to, to do it. And you're not asking them to like confirm or deny. You're not like... And for some people, that language is going to be too hard. And so yeah. an alternate route is I'm noticing you're spending an hour in the shower and I would love to have an open conversation about what's happening in the bathroom. But before we go there, I just want to be really clear. We're in a drought and it's not okay. So whatever you're doing, is there a mechanism by which you can turn off the water. And you just separate the things for them, right? And help them. And that's okay to start yeah. there. And then you can absolutely circle back and then you want to talk about what you were doing in the bathroom. Well, because you're not saying, you know, you're letting them know you have a sense of what they're doing and you're Correct. not saying there's anything wrong with that. You're Correct. just saying, you know, the mechanism by which you're doing it needs to be changed. The other conversation I think that needs to be had with older kids about masturbation is the relationship between masturbation and porn because a lot of adolescents are using porn to masturbate and research shows us that people who depend on pornography to masturbate can become literally dependent on it in order to orgasm. It can affect their in-person sexual relationships, making it harder for them to orgasm when they're with another person. It also can cause them to seek out more and more extreme versions of porn in order to orgasm while masturbating. So you don't need to have that like litany of conversation. You can just say, hey, I just want you to know that the science tells us it's really important that people masturbate not just to porn, but in other settings because otherwise you become dependent on it and it affects your sex life in a lot of different ways. Again, not an easy conversation to have. And I suspect we're going to get more questions about that part of the conversation. But to circle back to our original question, if you have 10-year-old kids in your house and you're trying to figure out the when of bringing up masturbation, now's a great time. If you're trying to figure out the how, our advice is always be as clear as you can, which means using accurate anatomical words, no judgment, short sentences, keep the conversation very tight, you know, just simply state in a couple of lines 
what you want to say, how you're thinking about it, how it feels in your home, and then get really comfortable with just sitting in silence and letting your kid or your kids think about how they want to respond to you. And if they're not ready to engage in the conversation yet, you can come back to it. So you can say that I'm sharing what I want to share. If you're not ready to talk about it yet, let's pick it up another time. And one thing I forgot to say, and I think this is really important to mention, is that it's critical to normalize the people of all genders masturbate because we live in a culture that normalizes and frankly glorifies masturbation for people who have penises and kind of hides or doesn't talk a lot about the fact that people with clitorises and vaginas can also masturbate, do also masturbate, and that it's normal. And so if you're living in a house where someone is wondering about that, you want to make that clear and not emphasize one over the other. For sure. There was something else. I had another joke, but I can't remember it. We'll have to, (laughs) it's not a masturbation joke. We'll have to save it for another time. I can't wait. I know. Well, (laughs) maybe someday I'll actually remember what it was. But please, 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 we've been getting all these awesome questions over email, thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. Over our Instagram, you can DM us at the Puberty Podcast. They are wide ranging. They're super interesting, all different kinds of topics. And we love it. So please keep sending them to us and we will work our way through what has already become a long list of questions for this Now What episode. Thanks, Vanessa. Bye, Cara. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts or check out our Instagram at The Puberty Podcast. If you have questions or stories to share, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. And for more puberty info, check out myoomla.com or dynamogirl.com. Bye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com